Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. Well, good morning, good morning. Hope you guys enjoyed that time of worship and uh, had a chance just to take some time and just remind ourselves that God is still in control. <clears throat> no matter what we face, no matter what we go through in life, the Lord is still in control. I love that, love that song. I love the words in it, and I love what it uh, stands for, what it means, and um, just been a great source of, of strength for my life over the past couple of months. I don't know about you, but when everything else is going crazy, it's good to know that at least the Lord, uh, no matter what we face, no matter what we see, that God is still, He's in control. And uh, that's a great prayer to pray and just trust in the Lord. Sometimes you don't understand everything that goes on, and sometimes you do. But it's in the times that you don't understand is when we really need to trust in God, that he's still in control. So, hey, I hope you had a great Easter. I know that was kind of crazy uh, last week with all the plans that we wanted to do and then storms that were supposed to come and didn't come. And then today, <laughs> today we have them. So I don't know if you can hear the rain now, but I'm telling you, it is, it is coming down. And uh, in this auditorium, you hear every little, every little, um, every little drop, I guess, on the rooftops. <clears throat> but hey, we're just praying that that's just the reign of the Lord, and we'll just take that as a, a natural sign of God just raining his favor down. And maybe as the rain washes the pollen away, it'll be spiritually the rain will wash away the, the virus that's been uh, just messing with our nation and the world for the past couple of months. So uh, just keep praying for people. Many people, I, I have friends now that I've uh, talked to, and now it's it's, you know, gotten to a place where I know people that have been affected by this. And so, man, we just want to constantly lift them up in prayer. I have a pastor friend of mine who's in the Bronx, and and uh, he has already had three and concerned that he may have two more that have have passed away from this, this virus. And then I have another friend that in my group that his one of his relatives, his uncle, uh, passed away from this. So it's very real, but so we want to lift these people up, and maybe you're not affected with it. If you're strong the Lord right now and nothing's bothering you, man, lift up some prayers from other people around you. Lift them up and pray for them in Jesus' name. And so a couple of thoughts I wanted to share with you before I share the message today. I told you in the pre-notes here, uh, grab your Bible, and uh, an old school Bible, right? Some pages. Listen to that. That's paper, man, you know? You're not at church, so you have plenty of Bibles at the house, probably one on the shelf that's you know, you can use, but uh, just turn that to Luke 24. We'll get over there in a moment, and we're going to have a good time with it. So I had a number of people ask me this question about the church. How are we doing as far as the church? So we're not here so much. How's the church doing financially? How's the staff? How's the pastors? How's Pastor Jody doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm doing. I'm here, man. I'm, I'm rocking out still. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let this uh, slow us down. It's different. Like there's two people in the church right now. There's one elder and one executive pastor to my left. There's, in the production booth, there's one camera tech, and then Joey Palmer is over in the production booth. That's it. Four people total, plus me is five. So um, that's all. Two people in the congregation and two in the tech booth. So it's totally different. But as far as all of us, we're doing well. Um, uh, all of our staff, everybody's good. Um, thank God everybody's healthy. Um, all the um, uh, leadership in our church, our elders, uh, everyone there is doing good. They're healthy. They're, they're fine. Thank God for that. Um, the ones who have kids at home right now, they're the ones you need to pray for. My wife and everybody else that has little kids at home because I think they may be going through the most trying part being a teacher when they're not maybe called to be a teacher. I don't know. So uh, as far as that is concerned, everybody's good there. Uh, as far as financially, as the church is going, hey, look, I mean, you know, obviously 
it is what it is. I mean, without people at the church, there's things that get affected. And uh, as far as financially, we are uh, not spending a lot of di- money on a lot of different things. But we wanted to wait before I really talked about this. I wanted to wait before I talked about giving uh, and make sure that all of our church is doing well. So that's why we had all of our volunteer pastors call, uh, all of you guys. And if you didn't get a call, let me just reiterate this. If you didn't get a call from us, then that means that uh, we don't have your correct information. We have phone numbers, but there may be a few digits off. And we had some wrong numbers. We had some rejecting email addresses. So if you are a part of the church and you think, well, man, no one called me, it's because we don't have the right information. So if you'll do me a favor in the section, in the comments section, if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube watching live, in the, the, the description area, there's some links, there's some comment areas down here where you can log in and give us your con- information through your connection card, and we'll be glad to reach out to you, check on you, pray for you, see how you're doing. But after we went through all the phone calls, we found out that the majority, overwhelming majority, we had very few uh, people that said, hey, yeah, we need stuff. Most people were like, man, we're great, we're doing fine, everything's great, and we're not being affected financially, we're not being affected you know, in any way by this other than locked up in my house. So that was a great, great uh, thing to hear. It really uh, helped my heart to know that people are doing okay. And so uh, in saying that, I just want to just encourage you then, since everybody's doing good, let's just all continue to be faithful in our giving and steward our resources well. Trust God in this season as we give, like as we give today, man, just trust God and uh, trust God for his provision for your life, that he's helped you make it through this far He'll help see you through the next season in your life as well. And so you can do that. There's a number of different ways you can give. We'll put that up for you as well. You can give through the website at give.cornerstonerome.com. On there, there's also some things they'll put in the links over here that you can be a part of that. Um, So one of the things I'll share with you about is this. This is a very interesting story. So I got to meet a friend. So you know how you hear these stories? You got to meet a friend of a friend. So I got to meet a friend last week in California... Um, that I met through a relationship at Gateway Church in Dallas. Sounds crazy, I know, but it's just the way it works. So this friend, he's planning a church, and here's what happened. They, they couldn't start in the way that they wanted to because of all the shelter-in-place that's taking place in California as well as everywhere you know, else. He moved out there, uh, moved his family out there. We're, they're getting ready to go live, about to push the website online, about to go green, and then all of this happened, and he couldn't start the church. So he reached out to me and said, hey, I really feel like um, we want to help a church out, and we know a lot of churches are dealing with different things right now. Um, we'd like to plant you know, and, and give and sow some, some, a gift into your ministry here at the church. I'm sure you guys have need for it. I'm sure you can use it for something. Would that be okay? And you know, obviously, I said, yes, that would be fine. But I have to be honest with you, it was definitely a little odd having another church um, give towards another church in a sense when I know they're getting ready to start and plant a church. And so here's what I told him. I said, you know, we really need to do some things. And uh, I said, I'll pray about this and see how the best way to use this. And I'll just share this with you guys as well. So uh, as great as people say this is, you've been able to see this online and the things we're doing. It, it takes a lot of work, a lot from our team, a lot of extra effort. And so one of the things we need to do is to upgrade a few of our uh, tech equipment, you know, pieces here in our church some other things like that. And so as you continue to give this you know, week and the weeks going forward, um, if that's something on your heart, um, he already gave towards this from another church. If you're there and you say, hey, man, I'd love to give some extra. Man, do some extra, and uh, we'd like to get some extra equipment in to help make this easier, not like because we're lazy, 
but because it takes so much more effort on our team's part to produce and make this happen with some of the older gear that we have. Um, so anyway, I just want to let you know that if you're asking about those kind of things, uh, you want to know about financially how we're doing, we're good. I mean, it's not as great as I'd love for it to be, obviously. I don't think any nonprofit's like just going, woohoo, this is wonderful. No, no, they're all probably feeling it a little bit, but I know I trust the Lord and I know our church is great. And uh, I know you're going to be faithful, and we're going to just plow right through this, man. So I trust God in it. Pray for you as you give, and in Jesus' name, that God would bless you and your finances uh, through this season as well. So if you got your Bible, open up to Luke 24, and we're going to look at some scripture here. I'm actually going to read quite a bit of scripture to you, and I'm taking this, so you can't see this in my Bible probably, but I'm actually going to just teach to you today uh, from the notes from my Bible. I really don't have notes that I usually would preach from. These are notes in my Bible because the context and what I'm talking about today is about doubt and that God is greater than doubt. We're in a series entitled Greater Than. And the, the scriptures that tell us that, you know, the, the Lord is great and he's mighty. But today we're going to talk about that God is greater than doubt. And in this you know, couple of verses of scripture, if you will, in Luke 24, this is all about doubt. So Luke 24, we're going to look at it in verse 1. That's where we're going to go to right now. And a couple of questions I'm going to ask you throughout the process, if you didn't uh, see this earlier. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to let you ask me some questions, and we're going to see how this works, because like I said, there's two people in the congregation and two in the tech booth, and it feels a little, uh, I would say, a little odd when no one's here. So to try to create some community, I would love to uh, ask you a couple of different questions. So here's, here's one. Here, here's one to ask first to think about, Okay. Have I experienced personally or viewed another's life experience? Or in other words, let me ask it this way. <clears throat> Have I experienced personally something or I viewed something in another person's life that has caused me to question or have my faith challenged? So in other words, you know, you prayed for this certain thing to happen in your life. You didn't get the promotion, but another Christian prayed for a promotion and they got it. Did that challenge your faith in any way? Did you feel like, well, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I don't pray hard enough. Maybe it's me. It's a great question to ask. How about this? Have I experienced personally or I've seen in other individuals' lives an experience in some way that actually strengthened or affirmed my faith? So in other words, I was praying for something. And I hadn't got it yet. I hadn't been turned down. It wasn't a no, but I was just starting my prayer faith in something. And I saw someone else pray for something very similar. And I saw them get what they were praying for. And it encouraged me or strengthened me in my faith. And I would dare say that probably if we're honest, those two questions, all of us at times have been either challenged in our faith or strengthened in our faith by watching what happened in other people's lives. And there's nothing wrong with that as far as in its statement. There's nothing wrong with being encouraged or it affecting you in a negative way when you watch people because that's normal. When you see people's experiences, you're going to be moved by what you see in them versus what God says in his word sometimes. But this is the thing I want you to hear from this question. Christianity... It offers both to us, if you haven't noticed. There are blessings and there are sufferings here on this earth as a believer. And 
I will tell you this, it creates this tension for faith. So there's blessings and there are suffering. And as a Christian, it creates great tension in your faith. So I don't think there's any greater tension than when you read the story of Luke 24 after the resurrection. So I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to read, and I'm going to kind of break apart and kind of take apart some things in the Scripture kind of pull some things out for you that are just straight from the scripture versus giving you a lot of commentary, but I'm going to give it to you from the scripture line by line as we read this in the Bible, okay? So I hope this works for you guys, and, um, and, and so we'll take a look at it, Luke 24, verse 1. So it says, but ver- very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, and as they stood there, they were puzzled. And two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And obviously they were angels that were there. Now these women that were there to to check out what was going on, there was obviously Mary Magdalene and the mother of James was there. They, They are not the only people that are here, but they were two of the women that were there. They actually were also there when Jesus was buried. If you go back and look at Matthew, the Bible says they were there watching as they placed the body of Jesus into the tomb. So they've seen him buried, and now they see his body gone. And they're very puzzled by this. So the angels say to them in verse 5, or the women actually say this in verse 5, the women were very terrified. They bowed down with their faces to the ground. And then the men or the angels asked this question, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Now, watch very carefully. You're going to see this theme throughout all the scripture that I read today. Watch this. Remember that he told you back in Galilee, the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the what? You can answer it in the comments right there. I know you know the answer. On the third day. This is what Jesus said. He preached this. He proclaimed this all throughout Galilee, all throughout Jerusalem. Everywhere he went, he preached and proclaimed this message to the disciples, to the women, to the followers. Everywhere he went, he said, I will be betrayed. I will be tortured. I will be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. And watch what happened in verse 8. Now, they were puzzled before, but watch what happened in verse 8. Then they remembered that he had said this. Isn't it funny how all of a sudden you can know a thing, you can know a truth that you've read a hundred times in the Bible, you can know something that is so real, but yet forget it when circumstances happen around you, when experiences tell you otherwise, it's amazing how quick we can forget something that God says. But it isn't also amazing how when someone reminds you of a truth that is in the Bible, immediately... Very quickly, you can remember what God said. Oh, man, I knew that. That's what the Bible said. I knew that was true. Why did I doubt that? It's because experience and what you see has a way of determining many times what you believe. People said this all the time. We've heard this. You know, seeing is believing. It's really not. But seeing does affect what you believe think about, what you dwell on, and what you pursue. Right now, because people see virus talk, they see economy talk, they see how it affects how you make moves in your life right now. But if you don't allow the world's 
press, if you will, to dictate how you believe, you can still hear the truth of what's going on and not be moved in fear, but still have faith in God. Remember what Jesus said. So they remembered, and watch what happened. Because they remembered this, verse 9, they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples, 11 because Judas had hung himself, so now they only had 11 left. So they told the 11 disciples and everyone else that was there what had happened. Now listen to the names. It was Mary Magdalene. It was Joanna, not Joanna Gaines, but it was Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Now very quickly, just so you can hear this, we know there were at least five women there. He named three particularly, and then he said there were several other women with him. Now I don't know how you work your math, but for me, when I have a bag of M&Ms, I eat several M&Ms. If I eat one M&M, okay, that's one M&M. If I eat two M&Ms, okay, that's two M&Ms. But after two, I'm eating several. It's a handful of M&Ms. I believe personally there was more than five, but just for simple understanding, there were at minimum five women here that gave testimony to the resurrection of Jesus and these angels that uh, told them this. I say that because I want you to hear a couple of things. As soon as they said that, verse 11, the story sounded like nonsense to the, sorry ladies, but it did sound like nonsense to the men. That's why you always got to have a good woman around. Because a man, he just needs help sometimes. And I don't know why these fellas didn't believe it and why it sounded like nonsense to them. And actually, parentheses, the, 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 the transcription or the, the, the translation of the word nonsense is the actual word idle tales. That's what it, they thought it was. Oh, just a bunch of idle tales. They're fishermen. Now, if you know anybody who's a fisherman, <laughs> Bill Mathis, if you know anybody who's a fisherman that's out there, I've never seen a fisherman catch a fish and hold the fish like this next to them. I've always seen a fisherman catch a fish and hold it out like that. Because when they take a photo of that fish, that joker looks like it's about 12 pounds. And when you hear them men tell it, it felt like about 12 pounds too. Boy, it gave me a fight. A fight of my life. I didn't think I was going to get it in the boat. It took me and three other guys to net him and get him in the boat. That fish was so big. Whew. What is that? What do we call that? We call them fishtails. And the more they talk about them, the more they grow in size, the more they <laughs> get larger, the bigger that fish gets, the more times it's told. And it's just all been fun, and everybody's just having a good time with it. But it is amazing to me how these men said it sounded like nonsense. How many times have the women heard them tell their fish stories? These are fishermen. They've heard it so many times. But the Bible says it sounded like nonsense to the men, and they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up, and he ran to the tomb to look. And stooping in, he peered in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, watch this, wondering what had happened. Jesus had told Peter... The disciples, everybody, I was going to be raised from the dead in three days. I will be resurrected. But Peter walks into the tomb, sees the tomb empty, and he leaves wondering what had happened. Many people thought his body was stolen. In that day, there were grave robbers and other things like that. <clears throat> but many people thought that his body was just stolen. Peter's wondering what happened. The disciples don't believe it. They think it's idle tales. The women are the only ones who believe this story. Now, we're going to switch gears now and go to another group of guys. <clears throat> and this is in verse 13. And here's another question 
that I want to ask you right now. Does suffering or blessing affirm the existence of God? In other words, let me just break it down just very simply, but does suffering or blessing, does it affirm the existence of God? Because some people will tell you things. You'll hear, uh, since we're all televangelists now, not to pick on any guys, but I'm just saying, sometimes you'll hear guys that are on different television networks talk about increase as if it's a sign of God's blessing or favor on your life. It can be. But it doesn't mean that God favors you any less because maybe you live like some of my friends in other parts of the country ministering and preaching the gospel and they don't drive Cadillacs. That doesn't mean they're not favored. Maybe they're favored in different ways. Your affluence in life doesn't always dictate the favor and the blessing of God. Just because you go through suffering does not negate the fact or take give the idea that God's not with you. Just because you're blessed in life doesn't mean that you're so favored. No. Let me ask the question again. Does suffering or blessing affirm the existence of God? I would just, you know, put this out there for everyone. God exists regardless of the blessing or the suffering. He's still who he says that he is. And you can't build Christianity on experience alone. If that was the case, Peter and the disciples would have walked away And never believed in Christ. And these women would have. Because at this moment. Many of them. Both of them in a sense. Are basing things off of experience. I mean obviously they saw angels. (laughs) They got a guy. I mean you know you think. Well if I saw angels. I'd believe some things too. A little different. Notice this about the angels. When they told the women this. Just go back and read about angels. And study this. Angels only proclaim that. Which God typically has either already spoken. Or is speaking. They never give you things that are outside of God's word. Angels always strengthen a faith that you already have or that God's trying to incorporate into you that he's already spoken in the past. Angels don't preach the gospel. They don't go around healing people. God has regulated or or delegated that, that responsibility to us as humans. Angels might encourage. They're always given a word from the Lord. All the times in the Old Testament, what did angels say? Be strong in the Lord. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. That's what angels do. They're just repeating the same thing Jesus had already said. Now we're going to read about these guys on the road to Emmaus. This is that same day two two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Now we got angels on one hand. Now you got Jesus showing up. Okay, but God kept them from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walked along the way? They stopped short, sadness written all across their faces. And then one of them, his name is Cleopas. And by the way, this was Jesus's uncle. This was a relative of Jesus Christ, did not recognize the Lord. And said, you must be the, you know, the uncle of Jesus, Get the information that he's giving out right here. He looks at Jesus, stops in his tracks and said, Brother, you know, you've got to be the only person in all of Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here these last few days. And so Jesus is like just playing along with the game, right? In red letters, he said, What things? As if to say, entertain me for a moment as we walk down this road, gentlemen. I would love to hear what you're talking about. 
And he begins to say the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to, the, to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Watch verse 21. Oh, Uncle Cleo. Uncle Cleo, Uncle Cleo, I can't believe you're about to say this right in front of Jesus, but he is. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this happened. Watch what he says. And this happened three days ago. He even says the very thing that Jesus said in the presence of Jesus. He's a relative of Jesus, and it does not click. He even digs down a little further in verse 22. He says, then... Some women from our group of followers read his tomb early this morning, which declares to me that they didn't go. Peter went, but these guys must not have went. But the women were there. Peter went, but these guys must not have went because he said they were there early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. And now if you look this word up amazing, it means astonishing. It means unbelievable. It means, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know if we believe what they're saying. They said that his body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see. Obviously, they didn't. So some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Now, that's what they have conversation with Jesus about. And I love how the Bible clicks over to red text after this. Then Jesus says to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus, watch this, he did not display the scars at this moment. He did not give them uh, more angels at this moment. He didn't manifest bread and fish and those kind of miracles that he did. He didn't do any miracles at this moment. Watch what he did. He said, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then, verse 27 Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man, listen, I love miracles just like anybody else. I think they're awesome. I'd love to see more of them. But why didn't Jesus give them a miracle right here? I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Because miracles do not Prove the existence of God. I want you to let that sink in. You can make a reply there if you'd like to. You can ponder on that for a moment. Selah, as the psalmist would say. Think about that for a minute. There are people who do not know God that have been healed of diseases that are unexplainable and they do not give God glory. There are plenty of videos, man, now on all kinds of things on Facebook and everywhere else. And man, I thought it was just a bunch of social media ideas about, you know, cat stories and videos of cats. And people always showing you their funny little cat videos. And it's, oh, I never really watch it because I hate cats anyway. But don't complain about that on the comments, Aaron Osner. But anyway, there are, I just don't ever pay attention to it. But I found this since we're all locked in, all these little things that show up on Facebook. Have you ever seen the ones where they show close encounters or close happenings right before a tragedy or something like that. There's these people that are standing on the sidewalk and a guy's driving a transfer truck and gets crazy with it. He runs a stop sign, hits three telephone poles, knocks out the corner of a building and an old lady's standing there with a shopping cart and he brushes right by her and her hair blows. But she's not hit. 
There's other cases where a guy's on a motorcycle, he's riding so fast and you'd think he would get killed on the motorcycle, hits the back of a car, lands on the back of the car and just rides on the back of the car down the interstate. There's all these close encounters that are like miracles to people and yet no one gives God glory for them. I want to share a verse of scripture. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to post it on the screen for you right now. You can look this up yourself. But Jesus said this. When they told him, son of man, or they said, Jesus, Messiah, show a miracle. Do miracles. If you do miracles, then people will believe. And Jesus said these very words. Even if one was raised from the dead, people will still not believe. I'm telling you, if miracles were the key to making people believe, then every one of these folks right here should have easily believed because Jesus had so many miracles in the Bible that John wrote this in the Gospels. He said, and of all the things that are recorded, these are just a small amount. If everything had been recorded that Jesus had done, then there would not have been enough books in the world to contain it at the time in which they lived. Jesus performed miracles after miracles after miracles, and people still did not believe. But I want you to watch what happens with these guys who were doubters. These boys walking down to the city of Emmaus, and one being the uncle of Jesus. You know, Uncle Cleo there, he, he's kind of put his foot in his mouth a couple of times. And Jesus brings them back to the scriptures, and he begins to proclaim the word again. And the Bible says that after they do this, verse 28, by this time now, they were nearing Emmaus. So, man, a seven-mile walk, Jesus is pounding scripture after scripture in them. And it says, by the time they get to the Emmaus, and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, watch this. Now, now, now watch. He took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to them. Now we're going to be talking about communion next week. So we're going to use this very verse and some others. But we're going to share about communion as we talk about how God is greater than evil. But we're going to take communion this week, next week. And I want you to remember this verse. He, he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. How many times did Jesus do this in front of them? All of a sudden the Bible says suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. Now you'd have thought that Jesus would have stayed there right? You'd have thought that Jesus would have stayed there. And, and, you know, now that they knew who he was, oh, now you know who I am. Let me share some more. He didn't need to anymore. They understood the point that he was giving them. And that was that he wanted them to understand him and believe in him based upon his word and what he had told them, not based upon another miracle. He had given plenty of miracles. And watch what these men say. Verse 32, then they said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And why? Because he explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Now hold on a minute. Now all of a sudden, because the Lord appeared to Peter, they believe it. But the fact that the angels told the ladies that he has risen, they didn't believe that. But they did believe it when they said that Peter said that Jesus appeared to him. Watch what happens next. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking on the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself appears suddenly standing there among them. And he says, peace be with you. Now all of them believe. They just said, watch, they just said. 
Jesus, they believe in Jesus because he appeared to Peter. But watch the context next of what happens. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Well, hold on, I thought they believed. And Jesus says, he converts to red text again right here, watch this. Why are you frightened, he said. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Then he begins the process of displaying his scars. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Now, it's funny how we pick on Thomas and we call him Doubting Thomas who said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the scars in his side. I won't believe it. But Jesus is doing the very same thing for these doubters as he did for Thomas. So they're all doubting. And he says, touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I have. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. Still, the Bible says, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy, but also with wonder. And then Jesus says something I think is so funny. I don't know if they all watched Ghostbusters or what it was, but everybody knows about ghosts on TV. That if you feed a ghost, they can't eat, the food goes right through them, right? So Jesus says, basically, all right, fine, you won't believe anything else I'm telling you. All right, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything here to eat? And so I don't know who the brave person was, but they gave him a piece of broiled fish. I don't know if they put it on a, you know, charcuterie board and just kind of handed it out to him to see what was going to happen or what. But nonetheless, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and they watched him. (laughs) They watched him as he ate it. What's going to happen to him? Do you think he's going to? No, it's not falling through him yet, man. He's, He's eating it. I mean, can you imagine how weird that was? They watched him as he ate fish. And then Jesus says to them, look, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. He went back and he broke down the Bible again to them. And watch this in verse 45. And then he opened their minds, not to understand more miracles, but to understand the scriptures And he said, yes, it was written long ago that Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And it was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And then verse 49, and we're going to talk about Pentecost going forward as well. And if you caught any of the videos with Ron, he's going to be on, and we're going to do some teaching on Pentecost as well as Pentecost is coming up, and we're going to talk about this. In verse 49, he says, And now I will send. Who's going to send the Holy Spirit? Jesus is. I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father had promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I read all those verses to you today because I want you to hear that Jesus is very clearly making a statement. You don't have to have a logbook full of miracles to bring about faith in your heart. You don't get rid of doubt by producing more miracles. Jesus produced many miracles. It did not produce it did not reduce the doubt in their lives because they still doubted. You reduce doubt by increasing your understanding of the knowledge of Jesus and God through his holy word. That's why he said I sent my word and I healed them. My word shall accomplish everything in which I've set it to accomplish. It will not return unto me void. Jeremiah said, his word is like fire shut up in my bones. His word is what it is that we go back to in times of difficulty and in times of doubt. It's not more miracles. 
I don't have to test God to prove who he is. He is who he says because of what he declares in his word. That's where the strength comes from. Jesus did not defeat Satan on the Mount of Temptation, if you will, by a bunch of miracles. He was tempted to do miracles, and he wouldn't do it. If you jump off the temple, then it'll prove. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It is written that the angels of the Lord will hold me up, keep me from dashing my feet against a stone. Don't tempt me, Satan. He, he tried to tempt him to turn stones into bread, and he wouldn't do it. Man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proclaims out of the mouth of God. Every single time Satan tried to put out something for Jesus to perform a miracle with, he said, no, it is written, it is written, it is written. You don't fight doubt with more miracles. You fight doubt with more faith. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, listen, I'll tell you a little story. I read this, and I have a Bible software. It's kind of funny. There's all these little anecdotes and illustrations I hardly ever use any, but I did find this one to be kind of interesting. So I'll read this to you, and then we'll close up today. There's an illustration that this guy gave, and whether or not it's true or not, I don't know, but it makes good, uh, a good illustration. There's a guy who was in college, and what he was going to do is he was going to uh, do his thesis and go for a Ph.D., and so when he did, he wanted to challenge the professor. And so he said to the professor, he said, I want to get, I want to do my thesis as I go for my PhD, and, and I want to do my thesis based upon oral arguments and not written text. And if any of you have gone after this and, and, and went after a PhD, you understand how much, how much information you have to cite so many authors and writings and anything like that. And so the teacher challenged him on this and said, well, what, how are you going to go about this and how is your thesis going to be explained? Where are you going to get your sources from your text that can be verified? And so the student says, well, what difference does it make? I'll just get it from people versus text. So the teacher allows the paper and he says, well, let's see how you do with your your oral defense. So surprisingly, he did very well and the faculty actually approved his thesis. So as they finished listening to it, they went through the process. They said, there's only one thing the faculty said to the young man. They said, there's only one small exception that we would like to make. He said, well, what is it? We're granting you your PhD, but we will not be giving it to you in writing. You'll just have to take our word for it. Now, anybody who's put in the work for a PhD will tell you that is not going to hold up. You can tell everybody all day long you got a PhD. I'm going to tell you right now, hon, do you see it on a diploma or you can verify it through university? Ain't nobody going to take you seriously. Isn't it funny how in the Jewish culture there's oral tr- traditions? There's oral traditions that they believe, but I'm telling you right now, the ones that everyone goes back to are the ones that are in writing. Because when you write something down, now it can be disproved, it, it can be fact-checked, it can be you know, uh, went after and, and, and examined against other things. And that's why the Dead Sea Scrolls that came about not very long ago were such valuable things to be found. Because there were so many hundreds and hundreds of texts that were written and they lined up word for word based on the same things that were written written thousands of years ago. Why is that so important? Because when you have that many written texts and you can compare them with one after another after another, there should be an error somewhere if it's not true. But there's no error with God's word. It always stands true. Regardless of your blessing and regardless of your suffering. Job said this, even if he were to slay me, yet will I trust him. 
I had someone tell me this just the other day. They said this to me. They said, you know, it's funny, isn't it? How we'll believe God for eternity and trust him so easily for eternity. But when it comes to the day-to-day living, we tend to doubt God will come through for us. And I thought, isn't that an amazing statement? It's an amazing statement to think about that how we trust him so much for eternity in heaven, but we don't believe him for the day-to-day. And I want to challenge all of us today to move past the idea of having doubt in our hearts and it affecting our faith. Everybody, let me just encourage you right now, everybody has doubts. Everybody. There's not a person I know that doesn't doubt from time to time what they believe. But how you fight doubt is not by trying to think harder. You don't fight doubt by praying harder. You don't fight doubt by finding more miracles to read about. That's not going to help you fight your doubt. You're going to fight your doubt with God's word. His word is what overcomes doubt. That's where faith resides. And so today, when I tell you this, that God is greater than doubt, he really is. But he sent us his word to help us fight doubt. His miracles are fantastic, and I'm not putting them down. I thank God for miracles. I pray for more miracles. People are being affected by uh, this COVID-19. I'm praying for miracles after miracles after miracles. Thank God for them. But we've already heard about miracles. There's been people who've declared that God healed them in the hospital. I've heard two or three different stories about this. And yet people aren't running, running to God. Because miracles don't always prove out the faithfulness of God. They affirm it to us. But you go to God's word to strengthen your faith. And I want to encourage you right now in times of uncertainty that we're having. Go to God's word. Remember, remember, remember what he said. And trust him in his word. So today as I pray for you, I want you to uh, just take a moment right there with your family. Maybe you're... Um, with your kids, I don't know, maybe you're with your husband, your wife, friends, I don't know, maybe you uh, got a few people there at the house that you're hanging out with or your roommate or something like that. And I want to just pray for you right now. Just whether you're going through suffering or whether you're going through blessing, maybe you've got some doubts of your own right now and you just need someone to pray for you. But maybe you're there and you're thinking about the whole idea of faith in Christ. And you're saying to yourself, man, I don't know if I believe this. Well, Let me just put it to you this way. You know, seeing isn't believing. Believing is believing. And you can prove out God's word through many, many different ways. That his word is true. Many have tried to disprove it. Even atheists and and those who criticized and made fun of God tried to prove it out. There's a guy by the name of Lee Strobel who was an atheist. He he, He hated the idea that people had faith. And he went out to disprove it. And as a journalist, he said this. He found out it would be harder to be an atheist than to actually believe in God because of so many verified texts that could be proven through the scriptures. So right where you are, if you're there, and maybe in your home, maybe you're, you don't know the Lord, I want to pray for you right now. So would you just close your eyes and bow your head? Let me pray for you right now. The simple thing that God asks of you is not uh, proving yourself. It's not trying to be a better person. It's not trying to... Um, Act like you can be a great Christian. God just simply says this. If you'll come to me, and if you'll acknowledge me, and if you'll believe in me, and if you'll confess me with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so right where you are, I want to pray this prayer, and you just repeat this after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. 
And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I ask you to receive me as a son or as a daughter today. Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead on the third day. Dear Jesus, I believe that as I confess you as my Lord, that you will save me today. So in Jesus' name, I make you my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, man, we are so, so very proud of you as a church right now. Come on, would you give them some love right now? Throw some of those hearts up and some fist bumps, some happy faces, like not the angry eyes, happy faces. Make sure you get the right emoticon. Whatever you can do right there, let them know. Just let them just balloon up right there. Let them know how much you love and appreciate their decision that they made today. Listen, I want you to do something. If you prayed that prayer right now, they're going to have a comment card, a connection card, rather, that's going to be right there in front of you on Facebook. It's in the comments section. You'll see it, or it'll be in the description section. If you're watching YouTube right now, there's a link that says something like prayer.cornerstonerome.com or connect.cornerstone.com. You can get on any one of those links right there, and it'll take you to a page. And basically, it's just going to say, man, look, I prayed today to receive Christ. You can fill that out and let us know, and we'll help get you started walking with Christ. Even though you can't get in the church right now, we'll send you some information follow Jesus and help you become a disciple in Jesus. And one of the best things I could tell you to do right now is tell somebody about your decision to follow Christ. So right now, you have an audience right now online that is giving you fist bumps, hand claps, I don't know what all they're throwing up right now, balloons, all kind of stuff. So like right now, you could just simply say, today I accepted Jesus. And let everybody know it right there on the comment section of, of, of whatever version you're watching, YouTube or Facebook. Man, they're just going to love on you, say, man, I'm so proud of you, pray for you. They're so happy for you right now. But the Bible says this. You ought to let somebody know that Jesus said this, man, don't be ashamed of me. Be willing to let people know you're a Christian today. And so listen, you know, as always, before we go, we always like to pray this blessing over our church. And we do this every, I guess I try to do every service. I try to do it with Ron when we preached and and share with him, but we always pray and, and proclaim this uh, blessing over our church at every meeting we have, and so no, no different than that, I want to pray this over you today before we go. This is the blessing that the Lord uh, gave to Moses and said, I want you to tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of God with this special blessing. So this is what we pray over you every week, and it is this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And the Bible says that whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. And that is our prayer for you today. Listen, God bless you. We love you. Man, we're praying for you. Stay safe and enjoy this time with your family right now. If you need anything, let us know. God bless you. We'll see you next time. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.